Is the Bible a book of rules and regulations? Is the Bible a list of prohibitions and restrictions? Do we have a listing in our Bible of things that we have to do? Be sure and do this and do these things. Be sure not do those things. Is that what the Bible is? Is it a list of prohibitions and restrictions? Is following Christ and living to honor Christ and endeavor of doing certain things and not doing an even longer list of other things. Uh, is God pleased when you walk the line and is he displeased with you when you mess up? Now, I think about that. I think about those questions. I believe that is the view that many, if not most people, have of Christianity, of people that try to live according to the Bible. We have this rule book, and it is a set of heavy rules and heavy burdens, and if we're going to please God, we have to keep the rules. And I think they think that we have this giant checklist, and we are grinding to do all the stuff, and we are grinding to not do certain other things. And for sure, we have to keep up the appearances as we go. We can't fail. We can't look like we're not keeping all of the rules. I wasn't always a preacher. I wasn't always planning on being a preacher. But I will tell you, one of the strange things is watching people once God called me to be a preacher. And this is one of the things I, I noticed. It didn't take very long for it to happen. But people will say things to me like, well, I wouldn't lie to a preacher. I always think, well, that's bad for the rest of y'all. Uh, and then I found out they will lie to a preacher. Uh, sometimes folks will be speaking, they'll be telling a story, and they will cuss, and then they'll, they'll get flustered and bobble around, they'll look at me and say, sorry. Uh, I always thought about saying, you are forgiven. <laughs> when I was new at this, it was about 12, uh, 14 years ago, I, I was new at it, uh, I went to the rodeo. And I went to the rodeo. They had asked me to pray there uh, one of the nights. And I got there early. And there was a guy, and he was waiting in the line uh, to buy one of those giant beers. Not the little one, one of those giant beers. And he was waiting in the line. And he got his, his big beer. And he looked pretty excited about uh, having his beer and being able to go drink his beer uh, until he saw me. And when he saw me, everything changed. Now, I, I always thought it was funny. I knew the guy, talked to the guy a thousand times. Uh, I'd spent a lot of time with him. Uh, but as I walk up, this 50-year-old grown man uh, at a rodeo full of people puts his hand like this behind him. And I thought, I guess he doesn't. I mean, it's about this big. I guess he thinks I don't see it back there. And, and so I walked up and said, well, how are you doing tonight? And you could tell he was nervous that we're doing good. And so I thought I'd have fun. Well, you think it's going to rain tonight? Uh, well, I don't know what well, didn't rain last night. Are you going to come some other nights? And, and he's standing there the whole time holding this deal uh, behind his leg. And I laugh, and I wonder if that's what people think, uh, how, how this whole thing works. Well, let me just tell you the truth, and as we start off, uh, here's the truth, and we've seen it in this study, and man, we've seen it a bunch in this study, but we see it in all of the pages of Scripture, all of God's Word, and that is this, yes, God does tell us how to live. And yes, he does tell us there are some things that we ought to avoid. There are some things we ought not to do. He says there are some things that you ought to do. 
There are some things that you ought to prioritize, that you ought to seek after, and it is true. In the pages of God's Word, He instructs us. He teaches us. He guides us. And yes, sometimes He convicts us and He corrects us. But I want to tell you, and all of that is done in love. And I think that's the thing we've missed all these years. A lot of folks are missing. That is why He does it. He loves us. And he sees us, and he wants what's best for us. And having infinite wisdom as the creator God, he knows what is best for us. And so he actually tells us, gives us the best way to live. And so understand, it's not a, a checklist that we're trying to impress a church or people. It's not a checklist that we're trying to impress God. This is God's grace shown to us, giving us the best way to live. Now, here's the deal. We could keep it for our good, for our blessing, and for His glory, His honor, or we can neglect it to our harm and to our detriment. It is given to us in love. Tonight, we're going to move to the final chapter uh, in our study. It's been quite a run making it through all of these chapters. Tonight, we start in chapter 31. Chapter 31 is a, another shift uh, in chapter 31, these are the words of Lemuel. We'll read about him, Lemuel. He was a king. When you look through the list of the kings of Judah, the kings of Israel, he's not listed as one of their kings. Uh, some guess that he was a king of a northern, northern Arabian tribe. Uh, we're not sure about that. I don't know where they get that. Uh, there are some other folks that believe this is a pen name for Solomon, and so they think that it's uh, King Solomon that is writing here. Uh, that could be, but there's also no evidence for that, no reason we would uh, presume that. These are the words of Lemuel. That is what we know. I can tell you this. This is God's word. This is God's wisdom given to him uh, and then recorded for us. The scribes uh, of King Hezekiah puts it in to this book of wisdom. This is the word of God. All right, so we begin tonight in chapter 31 Verse 1, the words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. These are the words, again, of King Lemuel. It says the oracle which his mother taught him. The word for oracle here, now there are several different definitions. I think the best definition is that it simply translates words. These are the words, these are the sayings, these are the truths, this is the wisdom the Bible says that his mother taught to him. And so this is the truth, this is the wisdom that his mother taught to him. Now I want to start off and I want us to see this. First off, listen very carefully. Parents are to be busy about giving to their kids, passing on to their kids, instructing their kids in God's Word. And that is the pattern that we see. I believe that is God's plan. Parents, that is our, that is our privilege. That is our duty. That is what we're to busy ourselves with, teaching our kids the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you this. Nobody is better suited for that task than our parents. Nobody's better suited. Sometimes we think, well, they'll do a better job. Nobody is better suited to teach your kids about the Word of God than you are as a parent. Nobody has greater opportunity 
to teach their kids about the Word of God than do parents. That's how God set it up. That's where we're supposed to spend our time. Nobody has greater opportunity to teach your kids the Word of God than you do as their parents. And then listen to this one. No one has as great a motivation for teaching their kids the Word of God as do parents. Let me tell you this. No one loves your kids like you do. No one should love your kids the way you do. And so no one has as great of a motivation to take the time and to invest and teach your kids the Word of God. So listen, teachers are great. Uh, discipleship teachers, Wednesday night teachers, they're great. Preachers are great. Coaches are great. However, this is best done by the parents of the child. Our kids should be grounded in the Word of God at the effort of their parents. That's what we see from the mule. Our kids should know the Word of God. They should be ready to defend and stand on the Word of God. They should be considering the Word of God, and that effort should have been led and put into them by their parents. That is what we see in Lemuel. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. Verse 2. What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? Now that word, what, that's what we see repeated here. Now that what is the question, what should I say? And that's, that's what it is. What, what should I say? And so here's how she starts off in the second verse. She says, what should I say, O my son? What should I say, O the son of my womb? This is the child that she raised. What should I say, O son of my vow? The name Lemuel, it means belongs to God. And so when we take that name, and we match it up with this last line, it tells us, I believe this mother evidently prayed for this son. And maybe she prayed to have this son, or maybe when she found out she was having a child, she prayed for that son then. She asked God for this son evidently. Maybe she asked God to bless this son, and he answers her prayers, and so she names her son belongs to God. That is a mindset we need to get, we need to have, and we need to hold. All of our kids belong to God. All of our kids given to us in the grace of God, we have a stewardship to God for how we raise our kids. Well, she says, oh, the son of my vow. She had prayed for this son. Now she had this son. And so she asked, what should I say to this son? That is the idea. What shall I say to this blessing of God, to this stewardship that I have before God to my own child? Hear her heart in that. Remember, nobody has the motivation of a parent. Listen to her motivation there. This is my child. This is the one I prayed for. This is the one I have raised. Then, here is the wisdom specific to the situation and the need of King Lemuel. This is her son. Now, I think it's interesting this is specific to this situation. He is the king. At this point, these are the things that she would uh, see as necessary for him, specific to him as the king. And so here is the wisdom uh, that she is going to give him. All right, verse 3. Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. 
Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. Now, we're going to have to understand this in the context. Uh, In this day, many kings, if not most kings, uh, they would keep a harem of women. Uh, It would be made up of multiple wives and concubines. And so they would have a harem of women. They would spend there, the word here is strength. It means their time and their energy and their effort and their thoughts worried about that. So they would build this harem and they would be consumed about, worried about, expending their energy, uh, concerned about this harem. Uh, Here's what happened. These kings took their position and they used it to serve themselves. And they became consumed with, if not distracted by, this uh, need to serve themselves. Well, she says here, do not give yourself to these ways that destroy a king, which would destroy a king. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. We see it today. How many kings... How many leaders may have had a good start? And you may think about some senator, some president, some other leader. How many kings, how many leaders may have had good intentions, but somehow in the process they got pulled into benefiting themselves? And somehow in the process it became all about them. Now I think about that and in examples that we can see, the rich and famous people today how, how many came to ruin think, chasing the things that would only serve themselves? And I think about that. All of these resources, anything they want, anything they can have, and they chase the things that would please themselves, and they come to their ruin. Elvis Presley, 42 years old. Michael Jackson, hundreds of millions of dollars. Whitney Houston, we could go on and on. They gave themselves to the things that brought their ruin. That's her prayer for her son. Don't give yourself to the things that would bring your ruin. Do not give your strength to women or your ways to that which destroys kings. She goes on, verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. All right, we're going to go into a section here. It's going to be all about this. Listen to each word. She says, it is not for kings, O Lemuel, my son. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. Notice, I want you to notice in this verse, uh, in this point that she is making, she includes all forms of alcohol. Sometimes some folks say, well, I drink this, but I don't drink that other kind. Uh, This includes wine. It includes strong drinks. Uh, All forms of alcohol are included. Now, when I read verse 4, it seems kind of strange. It seems kind of odd that she says, it's not for kings. This is not fitting for a king. This is not what a king should do. Now, I read that and I think, well, I guess everyone else it's okay, but it doesn't fit for kings. Here's what she's saying. Now, I want you to understand this. Here's what she is saying. As king, he has a purpose, a big purpose. As king, he has a plan to follow. As king, he has a mission to carry out. And so very simply, what she is saying here 
is as the king, he has bigger things to do then spend his time on this. And that's what she's saying. You've got important things to do. You've got duties to carry out. You've got people that are counting on you. And so as the king, you've got bigger things to do. He cannot afford to get caught up in this. It is not for you. That's what she says. Man, you've got things that are important. You got people that are going to need you. And so she says, you don't don't have time. You can't waste the effort. Do not get caught up in this. Why? She tells him why in verse 5. For they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. For they will drink and forget what is decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. All right, she says, if you drink, when you drink, you will forget what is decreed. When you drink, if you drink, you will pervert the rights of the afflicted. Now, I want you to think about that. A person drinking forgets. And that's the first point that she makes there. A person drinking, they forget. I think maybe that's why a whole lot of folks drink. They're trying to forget, but they forget And it says here they forget what is decreed. Now, what that means is they forget what is important. They forget what their priority is. They forget what their urgency is. And so do not get caught up in that because what's going to happen is you're going to forget. Then it says the second part. They pervert the rights of the afflicted. His job as a good king, his job as a righteous king, is to uphold the rights of the oppressed. Now, let me explain what this is talking about. And if he is drinking, his idea of right becomes twisted up and his standards change, and in drinking, he perverts what is right. You're not able to uphold what is right for this person because your thinking has become twisted up and your standards have changed. I found these statistics 63% of violent crimes are committed when the person is using alcohol. I think it's probably higher than that. 60% of cases of domestic violence, I believe it's way higher than that, uh, are carried out when the person is using alcohol. 50% of murders that are carried out are carried out under the influence of alcohol. 50% of the people killed, murdered, were murdered by somebody under the influence of alcohol. Listen to this one. 70 to 77% of sexual assaults, the perpetrator was under the influence of alcohol. Listen to this. And 43% of the victims were using alcohol at the time of their assault. Alcohol, here's what the verse is saying, it perverts what is right. It twists up our thinking as to what is right. I I wonder how many times people do things that they wouldn't do if they weren't drinking. And you can go back and say, man, I wish I had that to do over again. I know what the problem right there was. I wonder how many times people do things that, oh, they regret because they were twisted up in their thinking and the alcohol is what caused that to happen. Her prayer for her son is, hey, you're the king. you got business to take care of. People are counting on you. You cannot afford to have twisted up thinking. 
She goes on. Verse 6. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to him whose life is bitter. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his trouble no more. That's verse 7. Now, let me just tell you this. When I read those two verses, I think, well, this is very strange. Uh, she seems to be saying, let them drink. Now, they're poor. Let them drink. They got problems. Let them drink. Uh, they're, they're sick. They've got issues. Let them drink. And that seems like a very strange thing. I thought, well, this is going to be a weird sermon to preach tonight. Let me tell you what she's actually doing right here. Actually, she is mocking. And she is saying this in disgust, and she's saying this in jest. And so she's saying, let, let the one, you want to know who ought to drink, the one who's down on their luck, the one who's living in misery, you know what they ought to do? They ought to drown their misery. The one that's hiding from their troubles, you know what? They ought to hide in their drink. The one that's poor, that thinks they have no future, instead of doing something about it, they ought to waller in their hopelessness, and they ought to get another drink. She's pointing a finger at it. She's really doing it in jest. But listen, Lemuel, you're the king. You got things to do. You got a purpose. You have a life to lead. Let them do it. But you can't afford to do it. I thought about this. I could say some things right there, and I would like to. Doing this job, 17 years total, I have seen some things. And I want to tell you what, I, I've come to despise alcohol. And you can say, well, Jesus made it. Yes, he did. It's not a sin to drink it. No, it's not. But I want to tell you, I've seen a lot of pain, and I've seen a lot of trouble I've seen a lot of folks hurt by it. And so I could say some things. I, I'm not going to try to do that. And I want to let God's wisdom speak. Listen to me. Listen to what God says. Hey, you got a purpose. Hey, you got a plan. Hey, you got things to carry out. You do not have time for this. That's what it says. Going to verse 8. People will say, man, he was all over drinking tonight. Verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all the unfortunate. Verse 8, she goes on and she tells them, as the king, don't serve yourself. As the king, don't get distracted. As the king, don't lose sight of your purpose. For there are people that have no voice. And for those people that have no voice, you know what you ought to do? You ought to speak for them. That's a pretty good example. That's a good king. You know what you ought to do? You ought not serve yourself. You ought not benefit yourself. You ought not line your own pockets. You ought to speak up for those who can have no voice. Those that have no weight, you ought to weigh in for them. Verse 9. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. And defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Judge righteously. Be fair. Uphold justice. Defend the rights of the afflicted, those that are being taken advantage of, those that are poor and can't, can't defend themselves. Defend those people. Open your mouth. Stand for them. Do what is right. We're going to stop right there. We're going to move next week into the, uh, the last 22 verses, verses uh, that we, we've, we've heard many times. I think it's going to be an interesting part of our study as we move into that. We're going to stop right here tonight. But I think about this situation. Here is King Lemuel, and he spoke these words. 
Now, I, don't, I don't know if he lived by him. I, I, I hope that he did. I kind of root for the guy. I don't know if he lived by him. But he spoke these words. Evidently, at some point, he remembered the words of his mother. He believed in these words. And so he spoke these words. And there was some scribe who sat down and he wrote these words down. King Lemuel says these things. King Lemuel said his mother taught him these things. And some scribe writes these things down. And now thousands, almost maybe 3,000 years later, tonight we read those same words. And I read those words, you know what it sounds like? Somebody could have written them last week, doesn't it? Don't lie in your own pocket. Don't serve yourself. Don't get tied up in things that are going to distract you. Sounds like it could have been written last week, written coming up on 3,000 years ago. And I think about this, and all of that goes back to a mother who sought to honor the God who blessed her with a child. How would we be any different? God blesses us. How would we be any different? All that goes back to a mother who sought to honor God by raising a son that would walk in godly wisdom. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful for you. And I'm thankful that you love us. I'm thankful, Lord, you don't crush us. You don't run us off. You don't ride us off. You call us back home. You restore us. You renew us. You uplift us. And you teach us. Lord, I pray as we hear this that we wouldn't rail against it. We wouldn't fight against it. We wouldn't say, I don't, I don't need a bunch of rules. We would understand the gracious God of all creation cared enough about us to say, here are some guidelines, and here is some wisdom, and here is some truth. And if you will go by this, it will bless you. If you'll go by this, it will lead you away from trouble. If you go by this, it will lead you away from sin. And if you go by this, it will bring honor to his own name. But you can neglect it and you can ignore it and you will learn and you will suffer. Lord, I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for your wisdom. And I pray as we start to wrap up this study, as we get to the last chapter, I pray, Lord, that we would see where you've been blessing us and where you've been gracious to us and where you've been kind to us in giving us your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would consider it. I pray we would go back and we would revisit it. I pray that we would think about it, talk about it, and I pray that we would be a different people being shaped by the word of God. And in a, in a sorry, cruddy, hurting world, that we would be a different people. Lord, I pr pray for each person here tonight. I pray that they have heard. I pray that they've um, responded, that they will respond in faith. I pray that you'll be pleased in their response. I pray, Lord, as we go back to a week, uh, going to go back to a, to a world that's lost, I pray that we would be different. I pray we would speak differently. Most of all, I pray we would speak the good news of a risen Savior, the hope that we have in Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would be pleased in that. I, I pray that you bless homes here, families here, kids that are, that are represented here, grandkids. Uh, we hold all of them up to you. I pray for our church. I pray that you would be uh, recognized, submitted to as the head of our church, that we would follow you that you would set a course, that we would be about your work, about your business until you come again. Lord, I'm thankful for our study this morning. That's a reminder that it's never too late to repent, but it's also a reminder. You will judge sin and you're coming very soon. 
Help us to be mindful of that. We tell you, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We exalt you. We lift up your name, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.